Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, and I am joined today by the, what do I call you, the Don, the Czar, the, the big shot at Silver Screen and Roll, Harrison Fagan. Gunning for a raise right off the bat to start the podcast. You know, I always do appreciate Like, you are the only one here that gives me an intro with the pro- – I guess Jazz does too sometimes. But I think otherwise, you are the only one who gives me my proper respect as – like, I prefer – like the king of silver screen and roll. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the king is what we're going with. Like so, Christian says dictator, but uh, like yes. I'm going with king. Gotcha. Uh, and so like, but you are, you and jazz are the only ones that show me proper deference. And I really appreciate it. I mean, with, with the hat, the Laker fedora on, it just like uh, demands that sort of reverence. I know that people can't see it, but they imagine you in it. When yeah. you hear your voice on a podcast. No, at this point, the, at this point, the podcast fedora has become an urgent urban legend, like unto uh, yeah. itself. And so, like people know that this is what I look like when I'm podcasting. They don't have to see it. Gotcha. Well, yes. So, I'm joined by Harrison uh, to talk about <laughs> just uh, a fun time in Lakerland. Right? Uh, the Lakers are on the just most annoying six game win streak of all time, and. We got some news today right before we started recording that Anthony Davis, who missed the last two games, is feeling better, which is a good thing, right? Because the Lakers are very, very blocked without him. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it turns out that having Anthony Davis in the lineup is better for the Lakers. Like, in case there was any doubt, like, because I know, like... You know, obviously, I think all of us knew that Anthony Davis was helping, even if he wasn't at his best. And, like, the last two games and then earlier on on the road trip when he missed a game, like, I think we really have gotten there, like, a nice little sample size and preview of, like, okay, here are specifically the ways that he is really helping. And the fact that it came against the Thunder, who are a team that basically their only – the only thing they're good at is getting to the rim and the Lakers are missing like their only rim protector and like one of their main kind of containment guys on the perimeter and Alex Caruso. Like we really got a preview of like, okay, yeah, Anthony Davis and Alex Caruso really are probably the Lakers second and third best players. And so I think it was helpful almost from an evaluation for like Anthony Davis, you know, he this might be good for his defensive player of the year candidacy that we saw what the Lakers look like when he's not out there. And, you know, maybe it can help that net rating that everybody was so, like, excited to cite last year, despite, I think, like, half of them not even knowing how that's derived. <laughs> What's funny is last year, whenever Davis missed a game, I felt like it was an opportunity for Kyle Kuzma or somebody else to just show out, like, in a really big way. Yeah. and. That hasn't been the case this year. It just feels like everybody else is a little bit more muted because, you know, the Lakers are missing their second best player. And, I mean, you'll see guys get more minutes. Like, you know, Kuz got the start last night. Markeith got the start the other night. uh, And they've obviously had more of an opportunity to play. But I don't feel like we've seen anybody jump into that star role in the same way that happened a year before. And I don't know if that's just a reflection of the way this roster is constructed or if Davis, like, means more to the team than he did last year or – like you were saying, it's just a very specific opponent in the Thunder that pick on a weakness that is magnified without Anthony Davis in the lineup. But I just thought that was interesting that the Lakers seem more LeBron dependent than ever in these Anthony Davis list games. No, that's actually an interesting way to look at it that I hadn't I hadn't really thought about it that way previously, but you're right. Like last year, it felt like, you know, for as much as we've talked about like hashtag starter coups this year <laughs> and like how much better he's played like when he is in the starting lineup in general, it did feel like that was more of a thing last year. And I think there's like probably a couple reasons for that. Like last year, it was still, you know, it was like a newer team and everybody had a little bit more to prove. So I think there was like a greater like oomph in these games rather than, you know, what we have seen 
the last three games, uh, <laughs> playing with their food against the Pistons and Thunder. And like, you know, everybody's tired. It's been a long, exhausting year. Like there's all this stuff. Anthony and I talked about that two podcasts ago and all these like context things. But, you know, just from the perspective of, you know, one guy not really popping or going off, like, or getting the same attention for it even in the same way. Like, I think part of that is, like, nobody's trying to look for evidence that Kuz is the third star now or yeah. that he had, like, I, I don't think anybody's, like, like even if he had scored, you know, 25, 30 points last night, like, yeah, we would have talked about him playing well, but nobody would have been like, oh, well, if he can do this consistently, then he can really be the Lakers' third star because I think – everyone realizes that the boat on that scenario has kind of sailed. Like he's never going to be a third star. And that's not like, you know, to disparage Kuzma. That's just like, I think he can be a really, really good role player, potentially like, you know, maybe like a starter on another team. I don't think that that's going to happen here, but I do think that he could be a good starter for another NBA team. And he's showing the ways that he can do that. But, you know, that's almost coming at the expense of, you know, like the like the four threes in a quarter or something like that, where he just really gets going and it's like, oh, this is rookie year, Kuz. He's back. This is the guy that can space the floor. The Lakers need this. Like, I think there's, you know, we just have a greater degree of understanding of kind of wh- what Kuz is and where he fits in on this team. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't help but compare it to the time when the Lakers played the Thunder last season. Yeah. And, like, everybody was out, right? LeBron, AD, and Danny Green were all out, and Kuz put up like what 20 points in the first quarter yeah, it was it was Kuz and Rondo fueled Rondo, by his yeah. hatred of Chris Paul like ta- you know just taking it to the thunder I do love a Rajan Rondo versus Chris Paul game it's it's always a good time he's uh, got an average close to a triple double against Chris Paul right like even in the last couple of years when he's like a little more washed during the I feel like his averages just go way up against Chris Paul like he's ready to go yeah, that's the key. It's not national TV, Rondo. It's against Chris Paul, Rondo. Yeah, it's against, Chris, <laughs> against Chris Paul that happens to sometimes be on national TV, Rondo. Yeah, we were really deprived of that Lakers Thunder series a year ago. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I find it just quite interesting that Kuzma, um, even when provided the opportunity to be that second guy, to be, you know, the volume scorer or whatever he can be to fill in Anthony Davis's role, has sort of just decided I'm going to be supercharged role player. Like, I'm not going to try to change who I am just because Davis is out of a game, because like, that's not a meaningful situation to practice, right? Like he's not going to be playing the bulk of his minutes uh, in games that count, you know, without Anthony Davis or without LeBron. So it's better for him to just focus on the skills that will actually translate to those games. And while I do miss, you know, these scoring binges of Kyle Kuzma, I think it's, I don't know if it's a sign of maturation or it's just like a, how he sees himself fitting into the Lakers. But uh, it was, it was just something that I noticed that like, Oh, Kuzma's not like going off. And I I don't think it's that he's not capable of doing it. It's just, he seems focused on doing other things. And uh, it was just a, a weird thing to notice against a team that like, I don't think the Thunder suck, but like they don't have the talent to like stop Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, no, I mean, they don't uh, like, they're not good. Like they play mm-hmm. hard and like they're well coached and like they seem to really like, it, you know, they really tried. They, yeah. they, they absolutely fought their way into staying in those games. That was not mm-hmm. just the Lakers playing bad. The Thunder had to take advantage of it and all that stuff. And I don't, I think that actually is an interesting point about Kuzma. Like I, I bet that is a certain degree of it, right? Is like now, you know, he has the contract, like he's not, you know, playing for his NBA future. He's locked in to this rate for a couple of years like why not just focus more on like you don't have to focus on putting up numbers to getting paid like you got paid to to a certain degree and you go and like like now it's about figuring out how you best fit in in this situation and I think like 
you know, you and I were talking offline before we went on that like at some point we really do need to dive either on the podcast or in a story or whatever into just like a deeper examination of the ways that Kuzma is finding like effectiveness because I think that like like the thing that I've noticed this year is like, yeah, it's not the flashy stuff like we're talking about is somewhat missing from last year. Like those games were really fun. Say what you will about yeah. like, you know, how meaningful they were, or if they actually mattered or if that were, those were skills he needed to be working on. But those games were fun, like especially that Thunder win was for a game that the Lakers were missing, like all their guys. That was one of the most fun games of the year. Like I, I just yeah. remember having a blast during that game. And like, but Kuzma doesn't need to do that stuff. And, uh, but I do think that he deserves a ton of credit along with some other guys for like, yeah, like this team has clearly not been at a hundred percent, especially not without Anthony Davis and Alex Caruso, but like Kuzma has kept his head down. And I think that he's, this is cliche, but he's playing winning basketball now. He like, he's doing the things that actually help the Lakers win versus trying to showcase skills that he doesn't necessarily need to do for them. Like you said, when the games actually matter. And I think that like the way that he's just constantly sprinting the floor, the way that he's like finding spots in the offense on like on cuts, the way that he's getting open for shots, like he's really just trying to like, you know, find ways that he can be in rhythm for this team and work on those things. And I do think that he, like, he's just playing winning basketball. That's the simplest way to put it. And I do think that that deserves appreciation during, you know, what statistically is like a somewhat underwhelming season, I think, for him. Right. And I mean, I I feel like we're allowed to say that he's playing winning basketball because Draymond Green said it. So now it's like public domain. We're all allowed to, you know, spout this. We're we're just aggregating Draymond's takes. But yeah, I mean, uh, so I watch a lot of games with my brother and like literally every time Kyle Kuzma gets a rebound, he's like all NBA rebounder Kyle Kuzma because like it's <laughs> the thing now, right? Like he's a very good rebounder. Uh, he's blocking a lot more shots. Uh, uh, I'm not sure that any of them from the Thunder game really stick out, but like the one last week against uh, Denver when he sprinted to block that Michael Porter Jr. three-pointer like after he had missed at the hoop, it was just like a really impressive play. You know that, yeah, like I, I miss big time scorer Kyle Kuzma like even the game against the Rockets last year when Anthony Davis missed was a really good Kuz performance, but this feels sustainable, right? And uh, the Lakers need things that are sustainable because their roster is just all up all over the place. And like, you know, they're missing two guys. And I, I think it's high time that we just stop thinking of Kyle Kuzma as like, when is he going to be the player that like the Lakers want him to be? Because I think he is already that player. You know? Yeah, I think he is. It's just not the version of it that we thought it was going to be when, like, during that, like, transcendent, I mean, transcendent's probably strong, but, I you know, know by, the Lakers, by the Lakers' standards during that time, he had a transcendent <laughs> rookie year. And so, like, you know, I, I just think that it looks different than maybe we would have expected based on how he was being productive during that time. And, like, just he deserves all the credit in the world and the coaching staff deserves a ton of credit too, but Kuz really deserves most of it for putting in the work, like to become an effective defender, you know, not just at shot blocking also like off the dribble and like guarding guys. And the, the fact that the Lakers like, look, it doesn't always work, but the fact that the Lakers go to him as their wing stopper now is imagine telling like, yourself in the past during Kuz's rookie year that that was something that they were going to be counting on with the championship team and like look there's all the context of it being the regular season and like when it matters you know when they need to stop wings they're going to go to LeBron and you know or they're going to put AD on those matchups or whatever but for right now to like in critical possessions they're having Kuz on the opponent's best wing player at times and like he's not always closing games or whatever but he is one of their main options there and that's kind of crazy 
in terms of like the development curve from where he started, you know, as an atrocious defender during like early on during his career and to now becoming, you know, he's not going to make an all defensive team, but he is a passable defender now and like, you know, a worthy option for the Lakers to use in the role that they're using him in. Yeah, I was a little bummed out for Kuz's sake that he didn't make that little, you know, bunny jumper at the end of the fourth quarter that would have, I think, put the game away. I mean, knowing the way the Lakers have played recently, OKC would have just hit a three on the ensuing possession and they would have gone. <laughs> or they would have, they would have fouled and like, like inadvertently, or something yeah. would have led it to overtime. This is like unavoidable at this point. I mean, I think I think Christians is tempting fate by you know writing, please don't go into overtime on all of the previews. <laughs> just oh, please overtime. That's all the Lakers read out of that. Uh, but yeah. I've been uh, I've been delighted with Kyle Kuzma. I mean, I it's it's so strange to think that he's become this type of player because, like you said, it's just so incongruent with who he was when he was a rookie and just like the the star power that he kind of exudes off the court too, which is is a weird thing to say, but uh, he, he definitely yeah, defensive like, like, defensive stoppers don't usually defensive stoppers don't usually dress with as much like attempted swag as Kyle ah, Kuzma does. would have something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Surge too. Yeah, yeah, like the yeah. the scarf team. Yes. Oh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a good look for Kyle. And it's uh it's been a nice thing to see, you know, in this stretch when there haven't been a ton of things I've loved about the Lakers, you know, during this, again, six game win streak. But Kyle Kuzma just honing into his role, like exactly what he needs to be doing is very cool. That's like, yeah, one of the I think things. it's weird to say during a season where and like, I want to talk about some other positives here, too. And like, you know, and I think that's going to be the theme of this podcast mainly is trying some trying to find <laughs> positives in a six game win streak. Uh, yes, you know, like, what a, what a concept. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is like when we were like trying to find positives during like 12 game losing streaks a couple of years ago. But like, you know, they're they're winning now. And I think like that's going to be a theme for this year's team is trying to find positives because we've seen they aren't always going to go all out. They aren't always going to blow you away. Some games are going to look like they're struggling and they're going to play like the first game against the Thunder. The original title of our recap for that game was Lakers play three good minutes to close out Thunder. And, uh, you know, like that would have been accurate were it not for KCP's foul at the end of the game. And so like that's kind of, like this is going to be an up and down team. It's going to be a bit of a roller coaster, but I do think that we have to make an effort to as frustrating as this team can be sometimes. And it is frustrating. Trust me as someone who has had to rewrite multiple recaps already this year, <laughs> you know, within two minutes of the game, almost being over, you know, it is frustrating for me as much as everyone watching at home, but like there are a lot of positives with this team and we do have to kind of look at those too. And I think that there are some smart things that they're doing as well. Yeah, so let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about some of those other positives. And we're back. Uh, So, positives from this Lakers six-game win streak, right? The theme of today. Uh, I think the major one today for the Lakers has to be that Anthony Davis said that he's feeling better and is probably closer to playing after missing the last two games. Uh, We talked a lot about how Kuzma looked in his absence, but I think, you know, a one of the positives is one that Anthony Davis's value is very clear to the Lakers, judging yeah. by how they lose the last two games, but also that Davis and Alex some- Caruso, this stretch got him into the top 10 in all-star voting. Like <laughs> <laughs> I think Davis actually uh, moved closer to third place too, during this stretch than he was. Yeah, he did somehow. I, I, I yeah. love Lakers fans so much. Like, <laughs> 
I do think it'd be really funny, just as a side note, if they never gave early returns for all-star voting and just let the vote go, because there's always some sort of course correction, right? Like people yes. say like, oh, you know, Kevin Durant's on his highs and needs to be like, not in this case, obviously, because he's doing just fine. But like, you know, this insert player X isn't as high as he needs to be. And they start pushing him a little bit harder. But like, like Zaza Pachulia literally could have been an all-star if they hadn't had like the extra round that said like, oh, Zaza's a front court starter. Let's fix it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but anyway. No, it's like it's, it's like the Lakers clearly saw like you, you saw, you know, the early returns come in. KD was the leading vote getter and whatever. And since then, I feel like the Lakers tweet LeBron James NBA All-Star like nine times a day, basically. Every and time. yeah, so like they're trying to they're trying the, everyone has their priorities like for silver screen and roll. We've been trying to bump up Alex Caruso and we got him into the top 10. And, you know, AD now I think is the new one. We got to get him to pass Kawhi Leonard. Otherwise, he's going to have a tough maybe tough sledding to get into this game uh depending on how the assistant coaches feel about him although I, I would imagine the coaches would put him in just based on resume and like winning the title last year they always kind of value that stuff but who knows um and so if fans want to make sure he gets in you know they gotta i mean number one he needs to give fans a reason to vote for him which means he needs to get back out there which it does sound like he got closer to doing at practice today he was apparently it was non-contact stuff but they're hoping that he just feels okay, uh, to, like overnight, and is able to play tomorrow. My guess would be that he doesn't like just the fact that he only did non-contact stuff today. I feel like they'll hold him out one more game and then maybe bring him back against Denver. That's not sourced or anything. That's just like you know, if he's only doing non-contact in practice, are you really going to throw him back into a game right away? That doesn't seem logical to me. But I, again, I'm not a doctor, so. Yeah. Uh, so tomorrow is against Memphis. Yes, Friday's game against yes. Memphis. Yeah, Grizzlies. Yeah, that that doesn't seem like a game that you need to have Anthony Davis back for. But then again, the Grizzlies like took the Lakers lunch last time they played uh, during the regular season. But yeah, that's a different story. Uh, I mean, what are you looking for from Anthony Davis like that the Lakers have been missing? Other than, you know, just the obvious, like, rim protection. Yeah, like, we talk, the rim protection is definitely the main thing. Because, like, obviously, he hasn't been, uh, other than that one game against the Bulls, when he's like, well, I'm in my hometown, and even if nobody's in the crowd, like, I need to, you know, I know all my family and friends are at least going to watch this one. Uh, and so, like, you know, where he really turned up and scored, like, I think he scored, like, 30 points in the first half or something ridiculous, mm-hmm. or close to it. And, right. but other than that, we have not seen the same Anthony Davis as a scorer that we saw during the playoffs where he was just this unstoppable mid-range assassin and like a guy that could, if you put a bigger guy on him, he was getting to the rim at will. If you put a smaller guy on him, he was just shooting over them like they were chair in practice. And we just haven't seen that this year. And I think part of that is like adjusting to Mark's presence in the paint, adjusting to even Trez when they go to these like quote unquote smaller lineups. Trez still you know, he's still bringing defenders to the same place that Dwight and JaVale were for the most part, because he's not like, he's not spacing the floor like Keith was during that playoff run where AD was really able to get going at times during some of those smaller lineups. And so like, I think the thing that, and honestly, I don't even know that I'm looking for this really in the regular season because we know he can do it. And kind of, I think the main focus should be him continuing to remain healthy, but I'd like to see a little bit more as a scorer from him, just a little bit more like even just attempts, even if he has a bad game shooting the ball or whatever, like I just want to see them, you know, obviously when he's healthy, probably not first game back, but you know, as the season progresses, provided he continues to get healthy, I just like to see them run the ball, like run the offense through him a little bit more just because I think that you need reps at that. Like we know he can do it, but 
you got to get like some live reps and stuff like that. If you really, we saw the Lakers, how much they posted him up last year, even when it wasn't working during the regular season, just to get him practice at it during games. And I think that we need to see a little bit more of that this year. I don't know. Is there something that, you know, obvious that you feel like I'm missing with him that you'd like to see more of? No, I mean, I, I think you make a really interesting point about how uh, the, the centers keep taking up room for him in the middle of the lane that was open, you know, during the playoffs when the Lakers went small a lot more. And that's one thing that uh, has been kind of confusing to me about the Marcus Sol experience so far is that I thought he would be out on the perimeter more, but his uh, reluctance to shoot as frequently as I think most fans would like yeah. uh, sort of prevents him from being a threat from distance, right? Because at this one, I don't even think uh, defenders care about your percentages so much as just like the volume of shots you take. Like I was you and know, also, Marcus- like, how much time are they going to have to close out? Like, if they have 20 <laughs> seconds to close out because you're thinking about if you want to shoot it or not, like that, you know, that's less gravity. Right, right. And I just, I have this this feeling with Anthony Davis that the Lakers are treating him as, like, this finished product, so to speak, that, like, we saw what he was capable of doing in the playoffs. And, like, once that player shows up again, we're going to be fine. But I, the guy, the guy's, like, what, 27, 28 years old. He's turning 28 next month, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't like thinking of him as a guy that we've already scratched. Like we've just barely scratched the surface of him. You know, I, I would like to see the Lakers continuing to experiment with what he's capable of. And I understand that that is compromised by the fact that he hasn't been healthy. He had a very short off season. Yeah. I imagine most of it was just spent recovering from like the malady of injuries that kept him on the injury report throughout the entire postseason, Right. That That's uh, the yeah. one that I think people keep it just sorry to cut you off. But really yeah. quick, like I, I do I want to say this on the podcast, because that's one of the things that I, I do think people ignore a little bit, like how banged up he was by the end of the finals. Like he, he even admitted, you know, after the fact that there was some secret ankle injury that they've never disclosed what it was that he was playing on during the finals, in addition to everything else he was dealing with, like he was banged up. And to only have two months to rest after that, like, I agree with you, I think it's tough to ask for more of him because of these injuries, but also you know, if this team's going to compete for a title, we want to see it. Right, right. And I I think it's absolutely the right play to, you know, slow play his ramp up throughout the course of the season and make sure that he's, you know, hitting tip-top shape by the end of the year. And that's a different experience for Anthony Davis, right? Because he has only ever played in a deep postseason run once. And that schedule was not at all like a normal NBA calendar. Whereas LeBron knows exactly how to do this. He knows exactly which, you know, markers he needs to hit by which point in the season. Anthony Davis doesn't, right? It's just a consequence of having not been in as many deep postseason runs. Like he's been in, he's been past the second round once, right? Like, and he got to the second yeah. round once before, you know, coming to the Lakers. So it's just, it's a different experience for him trying to figure out how to get his body ready. And then obviously he was set back by like, I mean, I remember thinking in the finals, there was like one game where I thought Anthony Davis was gonna have to sit out because his like ankle was like, he, he fell really badly against the Heat in one game, right? It was, I see it was, was game like, five. It was game five. Remember, yeah. like, we thought that he might be done for the series. He walked off right. the floor. I, I I will never forget it because I was like, oh, is this, like, about to turn things? And, the, like, and, right. you know, he came back. He played that night, but he was limited. And then he was clearly mm-hmm. still a little bit limited even by game six. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he was messed up by the end of that series. Exactly. And so I, I get why it's hard for him to, you know, put in any sort of skill development because he literally did not have any time during the offseason to yeah. actually work on a game. Um, but I, I just would like to see the Lakers sort of expand what they're doing with him. Like you said, you know, with the post-ups last year where it was like an actively awful experience to watch Anthony Davis post up at times. Like he had no idea what to do when the doubles came. And then like 
when he posted up against Houston in the playoffs and the doubles game, he was making the right passes. And like, well, hey, and to, that's why we built towards this. To your biggest pet peeve about the post-ups was probably the entry passes. I remember this almost became a running <laughs> bit in the SSR Slack where we were making fun of you and how angry you were getting about the entry passes he was getting. And like, like that made it almost as miserable as anything it was like, how's he supposed to practice if he's having to get the ball from like the fifth row, you know, when like, uh, you know, when Quinn Cook passes to him and stuff yeah, like entry, that. So entry passes are a lost art. Uh, I, yes. I watch a lot of Reggie Jackson these days, and uh, he also could use some training, uh, you know, in the the Rajan Rondo school of entry passing. But yeah, I'm that's... sure Avica Zubats feels the same way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Zubats post ups, please. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry, this is about Anthony Davis. Uh, I I'm just glad that he's getting like a little bit of time to rest. I know that it's like not under ideal circumstances yeah. because uh, I, presumably some new injury has been aggravated or that is causing him to miss this time, but. It, it was clear, I think, to anybody who was watching through the first portion of the season that Anthony Davis didn't look like himself because of physical reasons, right? It wasn't because yeah. Marcus was walking the lane, because JaVale McGee was there last year. It wasn't because Dennis Schroeder was taking up more of the offensive share, because there were a bunch of guards who were doing that for the Lakers last year. Uh, I think it's because of his physical condition. And if we can move past that, right, like, that opens up a lot of possibilities, not just for the postseason, but like, you know, even for the interim until we get there for Anthony Davis and what he can do within this offense. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is I I just think that, and again, like I I know that this is broken record now, but like, I I just feel like we all have to be a little bit more patient with him. I I understand the thing that bothers me is like everybody that's like, well, LeBron's 36. He's playing every game. If you're, if your barometer is LeBron is doing this, like that's not a fair standard to hold anyone to. I understand AD is, you know, what, seven years younger than LeBron? Mm-hmm. And I'm not good at math. Nope, nine years younger than LeBron. Yes. Uh, and and so, like, I understand the, you know, the he's 27, he should be able to play, but like he was more banged up than LeBron by the end of the postseason. And he's not a cyborg. Like, you know, like LeBron is. LeBron, yeah. like you said, he knows all the rhythms of the season. I'm convinced that like that groin injury was just like, you know, a false flag to make it to convince us that he was human at this point. <laughs> and like with the way that he's keeping it up after an injury that basically can derail a lot of careers, he's putting up like some of his most efficient seasons ever you know, while clearly half-assing it for like 20 minutes a game, you know, like I think it's number one, it's unfair to hold anyone to that standard. And number two, like AD was just really banged up. And I think that we all have to like us included, you know, when we're criticizing him and his player, you know, why is he not doing this more? Why is he not doing that? Like, I think we all just have to remember, like he is banged up. This is a process. And the hope is that basically get him through the regular season healthy get him enough reps at the things he's going to need to do so that he can do them in the playoffs. But for the most part, this is like uncharted territory, you know, like we haven't, you know, we haven't experienced a banged up Anthony Davis season. He was relatively healthy for most of last season. And so the Lakers haven't worked him through a process like that. And so if they're slow playing it and they're trying to be extra careful, I think this training staff has earned a degree of deference in that respect with how they kind of got everyone through an unprecedented bubble weird run last year too. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit the point that I wanted to, which is just, I know we want to compare him to LeBron because they are the two stars on the Lakers. It's just, no one can be compared to LeBron. Like it's, yeah, it's just not fair. It's not not like, yeah. Like on court, off court, whatever. Like there's, there's something else about that guy. I, I wish I could put my finger on it, but yeah, he's some kind of cyborg. Um, Before we move off Anthony Davis, do you think he deserves to be a starting front court player for the all-star game? You know, probably not, 
But that does not mean that I am not going to do my part from the Silver Screen <laughs> Roll account to get him there. Uh, but that said, like, yeah, I mean, it, game, it, when you factor in games played, you factor in that he's been injured and stuff like that. I mean, him missing out and not getting to start over Nikola Jokic, MVP candidate, or Kawhi Leonard, also MVP candidate, is like, I mean, that would not be a travesty. I, I don't think that we need to, like, get our torches and pitchforks and <laughs> rush Adam Silver's office or anything if it doesn't happen. But... Like, that does not mean that I'm not going to try and get him there. You know, like the NBA set up its election system and I'm going to try and use it. Exactly. I I hope I didn't just admit to like voter fraud or something like that. (laughs) Like, uh... (laughs) there was somebody in front of him that was like objectively like offensive. You know, I think I would be more interested in like getting Anthony Davis like past the finish line. But like you said, like LeBron, Jokic and Kawhi are in front of him. It's okay. Like I, I'm pretty sure he's going to be And like Kawhi's barely in front of him. AD very right. well may pass him in the fan vote by yes. by Tuesday, which is the deadline. But like, there's still the media vote and the players vote. And like the media vote, I feel like is all going to be probably LeBron, Kawhi, Jokic. Right. Where the players vote is a little bit more of a wild card. Like yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah. So like like Talon may make it on the players vote. Like who knows? You know, like they, they we've seen some weird votes over the last couple of years from the players contingent. Uh you know, like given how well like Quinn Cook is, maybe he gets a guard spot, you know? <laughs> like I, I uh, with 25%. And so like yeah, I mean who knows what's going to happen, but I there is a very realistic chance for him to pass Kawhi in the fan vote still. Yeah, I mean I I'm just fascinated by the continued rise of Alex Caruso while he's been out this week. Uh the fact that he's behind Clay Thompson, I think, like gives people something else to focus there's, on. There's like, a shield here now, like that wasn't like here last year. year. Yeah, like last year, we could like everybody could get mad at us for trying to meme him into the All Star game because he was higher in the voting and all that stuff. But like this year, no one can even get mad because Clay hasn't played a single game and is exclusively a meme this regular season for his like in game commentary and whatever. And I have no problem with it if like you know fans want to vote for Clay Thompson. Vote. You know? Yeah, he's not going to make it, and, yeah. like, it's fine. If people want to meme him into fifth place, like, I don't care. Uh, like, I, I just – I think that, like, the people that actually get mad about this stuff need to find some, like, real-life, you know, like, issues to uh, work themselves up about. Yeah, I, I also think Alex Cruz is a damn good guard in the Western Conference. I mean, Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, he – but... I don't think he's an all-star, but he deserves – like, like the love that he's getting is because he's a good player. Yeah, I mean, I think there are people who are going to be talking about him, you know, for all defense consideration. And why shouldn't an all defense guard be voted into the All-Star game? Like, I don't yeah. see a problem with that. Yeah, I, I, I just thought it was funny to see that, uh, like, Shay's agent got on the mass text to reporters and stuff. Like, after Alex Caruso knocked him out of the top 10 and was like, hey, can you, like, tweet Shay's averages? Like, he's playing really well. Can we try and get him back into the top 10? And you, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wow. Like, after the voting results came out, it's weird. Everybody's tweeting about how good Shay's been this year. Uh, I wonder why that is. <laughs> a lot of Kentucky guards going to be vying for uh, spots in that Western Conference backcourt. I mean, I yes, for one would not a long like time. to between Fox and Murray and Booker and Shea. So, you know. Well, the good news for you is Fox <laughs> Fox is not even in the top 10. So, yeah. That's ridiculous, by the way. <laughs> huh? Anyway, that's ridiculous. There should be uh, more consideration for De'Aaron Fox and the winners of seven out of nine games, Sacramento Kings. But anyway. I digress. Sorry. Uh, look, he, he look, clearly they, he, their fans just want to keep him safe for the playoff run. They just don't want to send him to the pandemic palooza. And like Kings fans right. are just not voting. They've sat this one out. It's what it is. He said that he was only going to go to avoid the fine. And they're like, ah, let's not go through that. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, never mind. We're not even going to pump him up and like get him in there. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, 
because Alex Caruso and Anthony Davis haven't played, you know, for this little stretch here, we've gotten to see Wes Matthews and Markeith Morris for the first time in what, two weeks or so. Maybe that's yeah, not that long. Of, Maybe like four. Well, five, the first six. time in six games because the, or the first time in four games because they only came back for the last two right, and they were yeah. benched starting with the Celtics win. Exactly. And uh, one of those guys to me has been far more interesting than the other, but I'll let you start <laughs> off here. What have you seen positively? From that little duo. So not a ton from Markeith, just because, like, I, I mean, I honestly think that he's just in a worse spot this year on the team in terms of, like, fit. And especially when, you know, the LFR pod guy, guys got into this a lot in terms of, like, just his lack of kind of athletic pop and that having him and Mark out there is kind of death for your defense, uh, you know, if they're together. And I think that just he is a player that has, I think a still a pretty good amount of utility once he starts to play his way into shape and really like ramp up and whatever next to AD in those small ball lineups. Yes. But until you're, I think the reason he, you know, for lack of a better term, has kind of sucked this year is that he's not playing in those lineups where he was really good last year. We saw last year that as the power forward, you know, alongside Anthony Davis, that was where Keith's utility was. It wasn't like, you know, they played small ball five lineups with him. They were a disaster. Like they played mm-hmm. him as a wing at various times. It didn't really work. The The time when he worked was next to Anthony Davis. And like, that's fine. I don't, I think that he is a good player in that situation, but the Lakers have to try and strike the balance of getting him enough minutes to keep him fresh and keep him engaged and keep him happy and whatever until they get to the playoffs when having him play there actually matters again. But they aren't going to do it a ton in the regular season for obvious reasons because AD does not want to play the five and he's already banged up. Why are you going to bang him up more by having him, (laughs) you know, uh, guard fives and deal with the physical pounding that comes with that? So like, I totally get why he hasn't been good, but he hasn't been good. And especially with AD completely out of the lineup, there's just, I think a lot, it's really tough to find a good lineup to get him in there where he can be effective. And like Wes is the one that I know that you really wanted to talk about because, but he's been great. He's like, it's just, it was really fun to watch him come in. And, you know, it was almost like a mini version of the KCP resurgence last year where I don't think that Wes was getting as hated, you know, by fans uh, because of all the other context with this season. And he's newer, like with KCP last year, it was like, dude, you've been here three years. Like, we're sick of this up and down, like whatever. Like, it wasn't that bad. But I think there were, you know, at least a lot of jokes at Wes Matthews' expense. There was a lot of questioning, like, can he fit on this team? And it was just a lot of fun to watch him get out there and hit a bunch of threes, do the bow and arrow celebration, and just, like, really make an impact on this team. Because I think he's a tremendously good dude, and I think he's a better basketball player than we had seen so far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was of the belief that Wes Matthews should be starting for the Lakers uh, to begin the season, which clearly did not happen. and it was very different direction um because i you know i just saw him as like a very natural danny green replacement and yeah green was a starter on the lakers Uh, it's it's just been a lot of fun to watch uh, a guy who has like a little heft on the perimeter because you know lebron james is the best perimeter defender on the lakers and kuzma's been fine but like kuzma's not a big dude right no west is just west is just really strong and watching him just get up into the bodies of guys is really entertaining um and the Lakers just don't have a guy like that. Like Schroeder's fun, you know, KCP's fun, but they're like slight guys. They make Yeah, Schroeder gets up into the bodies of guys, but then gets knocked back five feet because he weighs like 90 pounds. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's just nice to see that, you know, variability on the Lakers that they have this yes. guy who's just uh, functionally strong and can still, you know, move, you know, quick enough to keep up with guys and who shoots just like a really pretty jumper, like objectively pretty jump shot to watch, which 
I know that we have good shooters on the Lakers this year, but there's like just been a long time when the Lakers not have not the last had couple guys. games we haven't. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. Good yeah. point. Yeah. So just uh, from an aesthetic perspective, I like a lot of what Wes Matthews brings. And then, like you said, he's made like a meaningful impact, right? Like uh, he can be part of those closing lineups, like as a two or a three. He obviously provides offensive punch that the Lakers are missing what they were they started last game I think one of 12 from three-point range like it was it was bad it was not pretty at all to watch uh and he just he fills in a lot of the gaps that I I assumed that he would fill in but he didn't really get a chance to because uh you know he's been a starter essentially his entire career and came off the bench and obviously that was an adjustment for him and I don't think we really gave him enough credit for how hard that would be you know to yeah swap between those two roles uh i think we all just sort of think like oh if he's a veteran he'll figure it out and it's it's a very different thing right when you get to start off the game versus having to come in when the rhythm has already been established so i'm just very pleased that he's been able to show why we signed him um and i know that he doesn't get as much grief as the other guys because like his contract is not nearly as much as kenny was making last That's year the or other thing too yeah right uh, but you know the lakers put meaningful resources into getting west matthews and they you know are up against the hard cap and they have to get rid of some other guys and they expect him to play a part. I'm sure they expect him to play a part. Like there will be matchups where you're going to have to play West Matthews over Talon or more KCP minutes because you need that defensive presence. And it's just really heartening to say that like after what has to have been a very difficult stretch for him, both when he was playing and when he was not playing, that he was just exactly what I'd hoped he was going to be. And I don't expect that obviously to last, you know, for the rest of the regular season. I'm not, I'm not even sure if he's going to remain in the rotation when Alex Caruso comes back, but between the two of them, like, I think you have to make some time for him because clearly like it's, it's just hard for him to not be in the rotation. Yeah. I, and I think he's been, he and Markeith both have been exceptionally candid about that. Mm-hmm. It, it, like, it's just not an easy thing. And they're saying the right things about wanting to win and like, you know, being able to do whatever helps the team win and being fine with that. But they're also very clearly like not enjoying being part of the rotation. They did not enjoy being out of it. And I, I think that it's, you know, I, I, you're right. I think we underrated the adjustment process for him. And then I think that he has consequently shown in these games that, you know, whether he's in the rotation right away again or not, when Alex Caruso and AD come back and all that stuff, like I do think that he's shown that he is another guy that when the Lakers go smaller in the playoffs around, you know, LeBron and AD, like he is another guy that can be in those lineups. And like, I think that that is an important thing for the team to start to discover as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know you already mentioned it. I just love the bow and arrow. It's a good time. Uh, I know a lot of guys have their like random three point celebrations. I know uh, Marcus Morris actually does like this. Like he like uh, scrapes like three fingers on the ground. It's like uh, Marquise doesn't quite do it. Like not with the same regularity that Marcus does it with. But uh, one difference between them. We found it like (laughs) aesthetic, you know, differences during the game. It's I, I appreciate those things. You know, the little bit of color that you get during these slogs of regular seasons. But no, yeah, it was, I was trying to tee you up for that. I also thought that it was funny uh, last night to see that like Anthony, when looking for things to criticize is willing to go as far as Wes Matthews bow and arrow celebration. He's like, well, he's probably a very good archer. It's like, well, I mean, good thing, Anthony, the Lakers don't need him to do that first of all. And like, also it is a imaginary gesture that he is just doing to celebrate a three. It's not that serious, but you know, look like he, he has been, I think a little bit out of sorts without Rondo here this season. Like he doesn't have, the one criticism button to slam down on and (laughs) 
So, like, he's trying to find his guy that he's going to bury. And it's tough because, like, it was going to be Dennis, but then he started playing better. And it's like, then it was going to be Trez, but he's been playing great. Uh, And, like, so I just think, like, he's still trying to find that one guy that he's going to demand Frank's head if he doesn't stop playing. Until they, you know, go off in the postseason. He's like, well, I was happy to be wrong. (laughs) Um, I'm glad you brought up Trez because as long as we're, you know, going through the positives of this win streak – I thought Trez was great in those OKC games. Um, yes. I am still just befuddled by the fact that this guy gets to play 18-minute consecutive shifts. Like, I think he got in third quarter of yesterday's game and did not sit the rest of the game, if I recall correctly. I, I could be wrong, but uh, it was something that we all laughed about on the Clippers, but it keeps happening. <laughs> he just keeps playing his entire fourth quarters. I, and I mean, credit in, to this he's... guy for he's an energizer bunny. I I think that's the biggest part of it is like, he does not get tired. And so they know that they can count on him to go out there and at least like play, you know, like he's not going to have stretches. There are things he can't do. There are things he can't, he's not good at, but like, he's at least going to go out there and try to give it his all. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's so funny to me because again, like I, I've watched Rez like a lot, over the past two years. And I've always thought like, maybe he could be optimized by playing in shorter shifts. Now he just like plays hard all the time. And you literally have no idea how many minutes he's played because he has the same energy level throughout the night. And that's very important for a Laker team that uh, energy is not their strongest suit. I would say <laughs> not this year. Certainly. Like The other thing, like, you know, as long as we're talking about Trez, I did look this up today because one of my favorite Trez things aside from the energy has been just how frequently he uses hook shots and like, mm. you know, and I like, it's just, I enjoy the hook shot. Like we're talking about aesthetically pleasing things. And so I was looking, I was playing around with the instat, uh, you know, uh, analytics that I got access to on like a trial membership this month. And so I've been playing around with those. And he is shooting hook shots out of 17.4% of his post-ups, which is so like almost a quarter of them. And he's getting like 1.25 points per play on those hook shots, which is like by far his most effective uh, like type of shot out of a post-up other than dunks. He is uh, averaging two points per play on dunks, which, you know, makes sense unless you're (laughs) missing dunk. Like if you haven't missed a dunk, you're going to be at two points per play on those. But like how effective he actually is with this hook shot is something that has been like, aside from how, like he's been incredibly effective. This is more than just like a, like joke segment. Like let's, uh, you know, we just love hook shots, but he hasn't been good. Like he's been great, but I've enjoyed watching that specific aspect of, how good he's been. And honestly, like, you know, as great as LeBron has been, and he's been great. He's always great. Uh, Like the Lakers don't win these last two games without Wes Matthews and without Trez, like really going off because, and giving them some energy and some boost and just, you know, like just a degree of effort that I think that they were missing, you know, the outside of those two guys for the most part, even including LeBron, like LeBron dominates on half effort sometimes. And that's fine. That's not a criticism of him. He's 36 years old. He's played in three straight overtime games. He's got to pick his spots, but like, I've really enjoyed how those two guys bring it on every single possession and watching like the various ways that they do so. All right. So I just have one last question for you before we close this out. Uh, Do you think that the way the Lakers have won these last six games is good or bad for LeBron James's MVP case? 
Oh, I think it's good. Like, I, I mean, honestly, because people are going to, uh, they're going to remember the shots. They're not going to remember what led to those situations. They're going to be like, oh, look at how many, like, made threes LeBron has in the closing minutes of fourth quarters. You can count on this guy to close game. Like, I'm not going to accuse LeBron of point shaving. I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> it's interesting that they keep ending up in these close games where he against teams where he can very easily turn it on at the end of the game and dominate them so that we remember how good he was in the fourth quarter and forget how kind of mediocre he was for most of the rest of the game. So again, look, I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but it's interesting. It is interesting. Uh, yeah. I am not thrilled that LeBron, I believe, is currently fourth in the league in minutes now, which is uh, he, he a was lot what? He was like four weeks in, he was like a career low in minutes. And then since <laughs> then, it's just boom, it's skyrocketed. Like, Yeah, I remember like uh, someone was saying like, yeah, he's averaging a career low in minutes, like 31. And then like two days later, I check, it's like up to 33. And like, yeah, I wrote about that. And then like right afterwards, it took off, you know, to the sky. And now he's like, you know, prime MVP season level of minutes. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for it. I think LeBron has been denied uh, MVP trophies that were rightfully his in the past. Um, 2011, the Rose one, most really notably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I was a hater that year, too. I, I thought Dwight should have won MVP, but looking back, it was probably LeBron. Uh, but anyway. Uh, hey, no, I have the same take. The that that year, I would have argued for Dwight, and I think that he had a legitimate case. But if we're looking through non-haters' lenses, which I think both of us as like diehard Lakers fans mm-hmm. who, you know, at the time, like <laughs> we're looking through, you know, purple and gold colored glasses of like f this guy for right. creating a super team that could maybe knock us off, and you know, like whatever. Right. But yeah, he he was great. He should have won that MVP over Rose, and I think last year. You know, it's tough because I think so much of the LeBron should have won MVP analysis is based off the postseason, which the voters don't have the benefit of seeing how well LeBron plays in the postseason, you know, before they vote. So that's unfortunate, I think. Uh, But like that said, because of the perceived, you know, I think even among voters of like, well, maybe we should have considered LeBron a little bit more. I do think that he's going to get a little bit of a boost from that. And I think if the Lakers continue to be where they are in terms of record, like the Jazz don't have an MVP candidate on their roster. So even if they were to continue this run and stay as the top seed, like no one's going to vote Mike Conley MVP. You know what I mean? And so like uh, LeBron has the advantage of the tougher conference, the perceived like, well, maybe we kind of messed up last year. Giannis, that they're not going to vote for him again, no matter how, like Giannis could average 40 points a game this year. In and a row he's not going to get happening. MVP. Yeah. And so like Embiid's going to be a competitor, but how much are people going to vote for big men? Like he misses games, all that stuff. LeBron's trying to stay in the lineup every game. Jokic, the Nuggets have not been good, even though he's been great. You know, they're the seventh seed right now. He's not going to win MVP for a seventh seed unless he averages a triple double like Russell. Westbrook and so like I I just I think that he really does have a pretty clear path to it and I do think that you know in all seriousness like that is something that he very clearly has in mind while he's out there and I think he's trying to create these moments where people are going to have these flashbulb memories of him you know dominating down the clutch uh, like down the stretch once again and like how many games did the Lakers win just because LeBron went off in the fourth quarter pump that scoring average up like you know look he he's playing the game on a different level than basically anyone else that we've ever seen where he can pick his spots to create the narratives he wants yeah I mean I I do think just being on the court provides value in and of itself right so being the fourth most minutes in the league like He's, he's just providing a, a volume of value, right? Like how much he's actually playing for the Lakers. <laughs> Maybe more than you know, he should be being that, allowed to. Yeah. Like. Now we have that steal, you know, against the Thunder and those threes that he's hit over the last 
three games, I believe, uh, that have yes. helped Lakers get back in when, I mean, logo LeBron, just to think that he's still evolving at this stage in his career is, is a remarkable thing, but. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't even hey, want to know what probably. percentage he's shooting from there. I, I have chosen to believe that he is shooting like sixty percent on those threes when he just takes the fu from the logo, whatever. Like, I'm not going to look it up. I don't yeah. care. Like, he's it's sixty percent in my brain. Let's not let facts get in the way of a good story, Harrison. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That that the, the silver screen and roll motto. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note. I think we have sufficiently put a very rosy spin on what have been some weird days of Laker basketball. Thank you, Harrison, for, uh, you know, just having a good time with the Lakers. That's all we want to do here, right? No, yeah, that, this was a lot of fun, and I'm excited to see the reaction when I, I – I literally am going to title this pod post, and we're going to see who listens to know that the context is it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. But I'm going to title this Trying to Find Positives in the Six-Game Winning Streak and just watch the <laughs> chaos ensue. Hey, we did it. We did it. Yeah. And thank you all for listening. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Silver Screen Roll podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll be back next week. Take care.